When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the state of natural language processing. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Dr. Seth Dobrin, Global Chief AI Officer at IBM. Welcome back, Seth. Thanks for having me, Tanya. Of course. Give us a quick summary, if you will, of your professional experience and your accomplishments. Yeah, so I, you know, I have kind of what people think at first is an odd background for someone in my position. So I'm actually a human geneticist by training. So my, my PhD is in human neuropsychiatric genetics. Uh, but, you know, back when I was doing my PhD more than a couple decades ago was towards the tail end of the human genome project. And that was when the rise of tools that we use today, like Python and R were coming up. And, and I used those actually to solve uh, some of the problems in my, my dissertation. Additionally, if you think of the fields of field of big data, which is key to, to data science and AI, they it started in essentially genetics and genomics and astrophysics. And so I've been involved in this for the better part of two, two and a half decades. Uh, throughout my career, I spent the first half of my career in life sciences and human genetics and agriculture, uh, bringing to bear the power of you know, molecular techniques, uh, industrial uh, scale robotics, as well as you know, large scale data and data analysis. And then about 10 years ago, I moved over to apply those same skills to how do we solve actual business problems that are not related to research and product development in, in the life sciences and agriculture. And, and I work to transform uh, a couple of uh, Fortune 500 companies now, uh, applying uh, you know, data, big data and AI tools to solve those problems. Uh, realizing, you know, billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars of benefit for those companies, uh, one of them being IBM. Natural language processing is a branch of artificial intelligence that has great potential to move AI from very narrow use cases to broader applications. What is the state of NLP? Where does it excel today? Yeah, so so natural language processing has been developing uh, over the, over the years, uh, as as you and your audience well know, and, and and I think as we've come into the last uh, probably three or four years, uh, about three years ago we saw the rise of of large uh, of, of larger parameter language models, uh, and and recently with the the release uh, from OpenAI of GPT three as well as uh, what Google developed. We've seen what we're calling large parameter language models, which have you know billions or trillions of, of inputs, and those are essentially trained on the internet. Um, and and you also from IBM, you also saw the rise of more contextual, more conversational AI that we we you know we brought to bear through what we call Project Debater, that's now in in our pro in our products. And and I think we're at a really good state, but we're also uh, facing some challenges with, with some of these. So for instance, the way the large parameter language models were built uh, from being trained on the whole of the internet, the internet contains bias 
and the internet contains a whole lot of private data. And so these models were trained and they incorporated this into them. So when you use them, uh, you can surface what should be private data uh, about individuals. So for instance, if, if we were to go into GPT-3 and query Tanya Hall, I bet we'd find some you know, addresses and phone numbers and emails or email addresses that you probably don't want people to have free, free access to necessarily. Um, and or you could you probably get quite a bit of, of biased information in there where and there's been some studies on both of these where uh, you know uh, you, you want a model to know about and I would use this example say the Nazi regime uh, but you don't want the model to skew the rhetoric of the natural regime uh, Nazi regime so if you're using it to generate language you don't want it you know automatically incorporating that in there and so we need to include new technologies when we start building uh, large parameter models that are focused on providing context and guardrails. And this is more than likely going to be done through a set of technologies called neurosymbolic learning, which is, you can think of it as projecting human thought patterns into mathematical formulas that you can use to constrain or develop uh, an AI, a machine learning model, in such a way that you can either prevent it from doing those things. So you could say, I don't wanna learn certain types of, of bias, or I don't wanna learn certain types of, of concept of, of proprietary information. Uh, or you could go on the other side and you could use it to provide context on previously intractable problems. So for instance, there's a whole field called operations research or decision optimization, which is essentially mathematical modeling of, of, of domains. Uh, and they, you apply constraints to them and that's what gets you the answer. You could use this concept of neurosymbolic learning to limit the, the reach of those constraints so that computationally you can solve these problems. What are some of the use case stretch goals, if you will, for NLP? Where is it likely to go in the next few years? So I think we're starting to realize the value of, of natural language processing in the ability to uh, essentially do transfer learning. So that's the hope of these large parameter language models is you train them on very, very large corpuses of data uh, that aren't necessarily specific to a given industry or a given company. And you bring that base model into your company and then you can train it based on the language that exists in your industry because it's probably different than what exists outside your industry. And the language that exists in your company, or excuse me, or even the language that exists in your department. Uh, also the ability to extract kind of frequent asked questions from, from a corpus of text, uh, or, or the ability to gain insights. Uh, so for instance, we've partnered with Ernst & Young, and Ernst & Young uses natural language processing, they use Watson technology to help their M&A business. So when they go in and they help, uh, you know, their hired to do a diligence on a merger and acquisition, they use Watson to help them go through the, the large amount of, of documents that are usually presented as part of diligence. And they extract and say, okay, this is where our folks that are working on, on these diligence efforts need to focus their time. These are the things they need to look at. And it greatly accelerates the amount of time as well as the accuracy of, of when they go in and do diligence. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. 
With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is NLP a technology strictly for large organizations and enterprise level organizations, or is it accessible to smaller operations with maybe smaller budgets? Yeah, so so I think, and I should have said this earlier, but there's really two domains of natural language processing, if you will. So one is what we think of as consumer AI, right, or consumer NLP, and this is what we get through our car, through our phones, through the you know the smart home devices that we have. Then there's language for business or NLP, NLU for business, uh, and and NLU and NLP for business are are fundamentally different than for for consumers, and I kind of walk through why they are because there's language that's specific to, to industries, companies, even parts of companies. Um, and, and so whether or not you're a large company or a small company, you can leverage the, the benefits of, of NLP and, and Watson or, or anyone else's technology. Uh, these are all available as you know, SaaS products, or you can go on, on, on a website and subscribe to them. You don't need to spend a bulk of money. You just pay for what you use. Um, and, and you can develop, and lots of small companies have partnered with us and others to develop great NLP applications and tools that help their customers or their industries or their own companies be, you know, do things better, cheaper, and faster, which is ultimately the goal of, of when we start applying any AI technology or specifically NLP. In the domains of NLP solutions, what human problem would you most like to see solved? So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think, you know, AI needs to be human-centered and it is human-centered to be, be done right. And, and so, you know, we need to understand when we, before we apply AI technologies or even really think about applying an AI technology, who is the human that's going to be using it? Meaning not necessarily specific Tanya, but, you know, a podcaster. Um, what are they going to be doing it with it? Why are they going to be doing it? And how are they going to be using it? And this is important when you start thinking about what human problems can it solve, because I think it depends on, on the person. I think this also relates to something we talked about in, a, in another podcast, the Watson AI XPRIZE, which is where AI and natural language processing, in, in the case of one of the contestants, uh, Alfred Health, they used NLP to help understand specific issues with mental health treatments and get people the right treatment faster. And so that's a great human problem that needs to be solved, but there's tons of them out there. And I think, you know, we often think of, of AI and NLP being used to, to get us to do things we may or may not really want to do, right? Click on an ad, buy something, uh, you know, do something, go somewhere, renew a piece of, you know, renew something, you know, a, a product with, with a company. But AI can also solve real problems related to health, related to equality, related to your, your financial well-being. Uh, and so it can solve all of those problems if it's done in a, with the human in mind first, and it's done in a trustworthy manner, meaning is the AI going to preserve my privacy? Is it robust? Meaning is it you know, going to be hold up to external pressures? Is it, is it uh, transparent, meaning open to explanation? 
Do I under, is it explainable? Do I know how and why an AI came to a decision? And probably most important, is it fair? Is it free and is it free of biases that are relevant to that specific question that's being asked? Dr. Seth Dobrin, Global Chief AI Officer at IBM. Seth, it's been an honor to have you on our on our show. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about the work that you're doing. What's the best way they can do that? Uh, so I'm most active on LinkedIn, S. Dobrin, but I'm also S. Dobrin on Twitter. Thanks again for joining us, Seth. Thanks for having me, Tanya. Of course. And find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on all the major podcast platforms under the Tanya Hall Innovation Show or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.